Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's been one year since the much-publicized launch of the nationwide 988 Mental Health Crisis Hotline. Has it been successful at raising awareness and, even more importantly, saving lives? Also this morning, you know the automobile industry is big, but do you know how big and how significant it is for our state's economy? A closer look at the numbers and what the future holds for Ohio. And happening around town, you're invited to celebrate Christmas in July with the Blanchard Valley Center. Even Santa Claus himself is joining in the fun. We have details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, July 18th, 2023. The first sign that nobody won the Powerball jackpot last night is the fact that I am here today. <laughs> so we're, we're actually doing a show today, so you know I didn't win, but nobody else did either. The Powerball jackpot is now up to a billion dollars. No grand prize winner in last night's drawing. Uh, by the way, for what is it? Thursday's drawing is the next one. Thursday, I believe it is. Anyway, the uh, cash option for the billion-dollar grand prize in the next Powerball jackpot will be a half a billion dollars. That's the cash option. Um, there were $5 million winners. Um, there were three each. Actually, more than that, I guess. Five states uh, had million-dollar winners. Uh, three lucky Tickets worth $2 million were sold in Georgia, Arkansas, and Texas. Um, meanwhile, tonight's Mega Millions drawing is also uh, right up there in the stratosphere, $640 million. But again, if you have all of those things that money can't buy, family, the love of good friends, then you are rich. Still... Uh, I'd take the 640 million bucks, you know. Uh, here are some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Some of the first things you need to know this morning. Um, well, you know, if uh, if you win the uh, Mega Millions or the Powerball jackpots, you can buy the uh, you can buy a new super yacht, I guess. Uh, Do you hear about this in Spain? Apparently, a, a super yacht believed to belong to a billionaire heiress of the Walmart empire uh, has been vandalized by activists, uh, members of the environmental group of, of an environmental group posted a video, excuse me, posted a video uh, showing themselves in front of the uh, vessel in Ibiza, holding a banner reading, you consume others suffer. And they spray painted the super yacht with red and black paint. So when the uh, super, uh, Super Bowl or the Mega Gajillions uh, jackpot, you can get yourself a new super yacht. Okay. So, speaking of Walmart, this is kind of interesting. What is in your shopping cart lately? And how does it compare to the rest of America? Instacart has uh, put together uh, some data here, and they say that in 2023, 25% of all grocery orders, include bananas. <laughs> Apparently, uh, that is like the most common 
item in grocery shopping carts these days. Bananas. Iowa, incidentally, the state that orders the most of the curved yellow fruit. Shoppers also seem to love rotisserie chickens and non-alcoholic beer, which is kind of interesting. Uh, It says, due to the need for affordable instant foods, cup of noodles and top ramen reported a 40% increase in sales over the past year. Um, But the most popular grocery store item, breakfast cereals. Kind of interesting. The uh, foods seeing a downward trend... 30% of American grocery shoppers are looking to limit the amount of meat they consume, and 20% are doing the same with dairy. So, shopping cart trends from the folks at Instacart. I guess they would know. Interesting. Uh, What is your dream car? This is kind of interesting, too. Um, Again, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories that are worth knowing this morning. Uh, According to a new survey, America's Dream Car, new poll of 2,000 Americans, America's Dream Car is the Aston Martin DB5 from the James Bond franchise. That would be our dream car. If money were no object, again, we're dreaming about these things with the super outrageous lottery jackpots that everybody's talking about. So we're dreaming about if money were no object... Uh, James Bond's uh, Aston Martin would be our dream car. Other favorite movie cars include the DeLorean from Back to the Future and the Pontiac Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit, which I would imagine you could probably have for a lot less than James Bond's Aston Martin. Right about I mean, they're out there. Those uh, trans- late 70s Trans Ams. 33% of those in the poll have a specific dream car from the time that they were teenagers. Um, let's see here. Uh, among the uh, factors that play into what would be the, our, our dream car, it says technology is a leading factor, which is, I thought was kind of interesting because if you think of, um, cars from the times when we were teenagers, they certainly did not have the kind of technology they have now. And certainly the Pontiac Trans Am, I think that probably the highest tech, uh, feature of the Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit was a CB radio. (laughs) So, but it says technology is the leading factor. Other influential factors that play into our choice of dream car include performance and safety features. Well, I mean, if we're dreaming, we're not dreaming about, you know, crashing our car. So I think performance is probably right up there. For me, anyway, if I would ask me, that would be top of the list, performance. 30% of... Now, we're not talking about dream cars necessarily, just uh, the cars that we drive. Uh, The most important must-have feature in any car that we uh, would would own. 30% say climate control or air conditioning. Um, And I think that's pretty much universal. Now, is is there a car in the market now that doesn't include air conditioning as a feature? I don't know. 27%. Uh, say that they currently uh, are looking for an electric vehicle, that they want an electric vehicle. 27% kind of interesting. Uh, A couple of other items here uh, among the first things you need to know this morning. Speaking of uh, driving, um, this is... uh, Wait a minute. Hang on just a second. Where was that story? Speaking of uh, driving, try explaining this one 
uh, to your boss. <laughs> uh, Florida Highway Patrol found themselves in a rather slippery situation as a truck full of bananas uh, was set ablaze on I-75 in Sumter County. Uh, the uh, Florida, yeah, caught fire a truckload of bananas. According to the Florida Highway Patrol, it was not an appealing situation. Happened about 3 a.m. yesterday morning after a tractor trailer full of bananas caught fire at mile marker 310 on Interstate 75. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to explain that to your boss? I mean, fortunately, it happened at 3 a.m., so, you know, outside of, of uh, rush hour. But trying to explain that uh, to your uh, boss. I swear to God, I was uh, I was late because there was a fire and truckload of bananas caught fire. <laughs> Try explaining that one to <laughs> to the boss. It was a truckload of bananas. Well, you know, bananas. We were just saying, very popular these days. There are a lot of bananas out there. Uh, no injuries reported, so that was uh, good news there. And uh, how about this? Here's something to chew on here this morning. Uh, It's one more reason why we have to buy gifts for people. Uh, According to a new article in the Wall Street Journal, with 50% of all marriages ending in divorce, it is uh, becoming more common that you may have to pick up something for a friend's divorce party. This is a thing now, divorce parties. Uh, This is a trend that is picking up steam, according to the journal, which tracked recent divorcees who who wanted to mark uh, being released into the wild again (laughs) with a a celebration. Uh, The journal likened them to a reverse bachelorette party. Uh, Brandy Sellers recently had hers. There were fake rose petals to be thrown around uh, by Felicia Banner. Banner. Photos of pairs of penguins torn down the middle. Uh, She says, I ripped the penguins in half because penguins are monogamous birds who are supposed to mate for life. Well, I'm not your penguin anymore, she said. I'm not your penguin anymore. (laughs) Uh, And this is is such a trend that now uh, there are people capitalizing on this. Retailers like Amazon and Etsy, uh, Etsy in particular, have taken note of the trend offering divorce party essentials like sashes for the guests of honor. Again, uh, tying into that bachelorette party sort of vibe. Uh, one, of the, one of the sashes for the uh, guest of honor reads, end of an error. Instead of end of an era, end of an error. Um, divorce lawyer Nicole Sodoma, author of the book Please Don't Say You're Sorry, tells the journal... People have really decided to nip that societal, the societal shame of divorce and instead embrace being divorced as another stage of life that some of us, many of us, experience. On Pinterest, searches for divorced dad, uh, divorced dad aesthetic uh, jumped 300% this past June compared to last year. While both men and women are taking part in the trend, they say it skews more toward the females. Uh, Chris Marks, a mental health facilitator from Canada, says, as guys, uh, guys don't call it a divorce party. They say, let's go for drinks. <laughs> That's that. Uh, they just, he says, guys just cope differently. But anyway, there you go. Is that the next big thing? 
divorce parties. There's one more reason why I guess you got to shop for a gift. That's that's what it is. It's all you know, big uh, corporate America that is uh, turning this into. A... <laughs> Have you been invited to a vo- divorce party recently, or is that something that you, know, you would do if you got divorced? There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started here. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny today with a high around 80. Partly cloudy tonight, alone in the mid-60s. A new apartment building could be coming to Findlay. The Findlay City Planning Commission approved plans for a three-story, 24-unit apartment building on West McPherson Avenue. The building would be located on the south side of McPherson, a little east of Heard Avenue. The Planning Commission approved the site plan with conditions. Those conditions are that the site gets approval by City Council to be rezoned from office institution to multifamily high density, and that variances are provided by the Board of Zoning Appeals to increase the allowed total units from 16 to 24 and the reduction in parking from 53 to 41. Get more on the plans for this new apartment building in the story on our website. The Ohio Supreme Court has delayed by three years the execution of an inmate sentenced to death in the killings of fellow inmates during a prison riot 30 years ago. Keith Lamar was convicted of aggravated murder in 1995 for the deaths of five inmates during a riot at the Southern Ohio Correctional Institution in Lucasville. The reprieve comes amid an unofficial death penalty moratorium in Ohio, which Governor Mike DeWine has attributed to the state's ongoing inability to obtain drugs from pharmaceutical companies. I'm Clay Gordon, ONN News. Children's Mentoring Connection of Hancock County will be holding an open house this week. This event aims to create awareness about the impactful programs offered by Children's Mentoring Connection and provide an opportunity for the public to learn more about our initiative. Executive Director Stacy Shaw says they're currently looking for mentors for the upcoming school year and are also taking applications for children ages 6 to 14 to participate in both their community-based and school-based mentoring programs. Get more on Children's Mentoring Connection and this upcoming open house in the story on our website. The Ohio Department of Transportation is seeking public comment on some upcoming resurfacing projects in Hancock and Wyandotte counties. ODOT's proposing resurfacing 1.8 miles of U.S. Route 68, 10.6 miles of State Route 15, and 3.3 miles of State Route 15. Get more details on these upcoming projects and how to submit your feedback in this story on our website. Matt Demchak for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. our cover story this morning over the weekend marked the first anniversary since the much publicized launch of the nationwide 988 mental health crisis hotline has it been successful at raising awareness and even more importantly saving lives you're joined this morning by uh, maria cool she's crisis manager for finley's uh, family resource center maria thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate it thank you for having me so uh first of all let's start with that basic question uh one of the the things is like i said much a lot of publicity uh, surrounding the launch of this 988 line uh a year ago uh and then it kind of you know disappeared uh, it wasn't in the news as as much um, obviously the timing on the heels of the pandemic, and there was a lot of, uh, publicity about, uh, the mental health, uh, impact of that, uh, certainly played into, uh, raising awareness. Would you say that it's been successful, uh, on those terms and in, in terms of raising awareness and obviously saving lives? 
Yes, most definitely. Um, there's just like with any new thing, there mm. were obvious kinks to work out in the sure. beginning. Um, our county has uh, thankfully had very good success. Um, we I sit on a monthly call with various other providers from this county mm-hmm. with our regional hub, which is in Lima or Allen County. And we review data every single month and see that it has definitely been having an impact for our community. So how does the, the 988 uh, line, does it go to like a, a national call center or is it sort of like 911 where it goes, you can dial it anywhere, but yep. it goes to the local? Yes. So yeah. it, it could be, we were all very confused about it at first as yeah. well. So um, sitting on the committee actually for 988 in Ohio really helped me gain a better understanding of this resource. So our specific county um, goes to Allen County to okay. a local community mental health provider, which is Coleman Health Services. Okay. Um, Coleman Health Services is the regional hub for our county, so Hancock and 16 other surrounding counties. So I know that seems like a great deal of yeah. people when you mm-hmm. think about 17 counties. Um, but again, we I, I sit on a meeting monthly and we look at all of the call volumes for the counties and that's kind of how it works it, it goes to that hub and and then they refer individuals to local resources because obviously we have a, a great mm-hmm. wealth of uh, local resources here right so depending on what the caller is calling about depending on the level of risk or triage that needs to take place right then and there they're either it's a light it's usually a professional on the other line that is you know, trained in crisis mm-hmm. and is either going to provide that active listening, that support that the cl- that the person needs right then in the moment, or depending on if it's a escalated to the point where maybe the person needs to get to the hospital or they do need, you know, connected to local resources for maybe, um, you know, a women's shelter or domestic violence, um, they will patch them through to our local county crisis hotline or they will get them in touch with our local law enforcement mm-hmm. if they need to, you know, escalate that in yeah. that moment. If they don't, then it's just answered by that person um, at Coleman Health Services in, in Allen County. How often uh, are those calls from an individual who is in crisis specifically or individuals who are calling about someone that they are concerned about may be uh, in crisis. Because, again, it's one of the things about this resource and really any of the resources. And we talk about uh, this is not just for those who are specifically in crisis themselves, but those who may be worried about others. Right. That's an, that's a great question. And we do not have the breakdown or the stats on okay. that specifically. However, we have asked them to start looking at different things, different components like that, which that you raise a, yeah. a, a great point. And we do look at, the, we can see that call volume from our other local county crisis hotline. That's mm-hmm. different than 988. Yeah. But that would be the crisis hotline that would patch a person through yeah. to Hancock if they needed to. It's interesting too. Again, we talk about uh, 988 being one resource and then there's uh, local hotlines, there are local uh, entities such as the Family Resource Center and there are others uh, within the community. And I think for, for many of us who are uh, sort of uh, work in the private sector, uh, sometimes we have this mindset of uh, competitors. Um, mm-hmm. This is not a competition, uh, you know, in, in terms of referring people to whatever resource they feel comfortable reaching out to. Right. there, I think I we kind of thought about that in the beginning, too. We, yeah. we were very much marketing still our local crisis hotline, but uh-huh. 
now, you know, giving both, it's one more resource and, um, you know, people aren't having to wait and have abandoned calls or hangups anymore. Mm-hmm. It's completely, um, minimized that like, you don't want a person to wait on the line when right. they're in crisis. So right. 988, you have a better chance of not having to wait for that next call taker. Is that maybe the best uh, part of uh, of this resource is that you actually are able to reach more people ultimately? I believe so. In the last year, looking at the statistics and seeing the abandoned call rates, which were, I can count on one hand how many calls were maybe abandoned or, or not answered because the person hung up maybe while they were waiting for 988. Mm-hmm. Whereas we could have that in a week for the county crisis hotline. So I would say the 988 definitely minimizes that risk of losing that caller. And Mm -hmm. again, if you call 988 and you need something locally right then and there, they can patch you through to our local crisis hotline. Let's talk a little bit about those uh, local resources because we are uh, fortunate that we do have uh, a number of resources for a number of different different crises the other thing uh that i think is worth uh, emphasizing is that 988 is a mental health crisis hotline not so much a well it is a suicide hotline i mean that's one of the things that when it was first launched people thought oh this is a suicide crisis hotline it may or may not be that depending on what crisis we're talking about here there are right. multiple right so and like you said there's other people calling family members friends loved sure. ones and for the person so it's very much a resource that you can use when you know you're in distress when you need emotional support it doesn't just have to be that you're actively suicidal or having mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts um, they can provide this pretty much the same resources as any local crisis hotline can provide there's the individuals that are the call takers are you know, educated on all the different services and resources in every single one of those counties um, that falls under the regional hub. So it's it's very much a resource that is not just used just when a person is actively suicidal. And and again, uh, we have those resources that can help uh, address any of those uh, uh, needs, many of those uh, uh, crises that we're talking about uh, here locally. There is help that's Mm -hmm. uh, available. Yeah. So just like for for me, for instance, I work at a community mental health organization, Family Resource Center. We offer mental health, substance use services, um, a a multi-case management, peer support, you know, medical management. Um, there are various other agencies that we work with in the community. Um, this is the best county I've ever worked for. We all, all of all of the organizations work together to make sure we're meeting the needs of mm-hmm. our people. And I feel like when you can come together and address this, you know, this is one of the leading causes of death. And yeah, the nation. So mm-hmm. when we can come together and try to help these individuals and these families, you know, it, it's it's one more tool for for them. So and and we mentioned that resources are available not just for those who are directly in crisis, but for uh, those who are concerned about a friend, a loved one, family member, whatever it might happen to be. Uh, what are some of the tools to help identify those individuals and and maybe get them the help that they need? Sure. So just pay attention to the risk factors, the warning signs. Um, Warning signs could be, you know, that a person is withdrawing or, you know, not 
not doing the things that they used to, to love to do. They're not answering their phone. They're not texting back. They're missing work. Um, you know, they're just... They seem look, to have checked out. Mm-hmm, yep, yeah. yep. So there's many small things to, to keep an eye on. And if a person, of course, is, you know, directly or indirectly talking about suicide or maybe giving away belongings mm-hmm. or... Um, Classic sign. Yep, yeah. so it's just you know, those things that we think about that, um, you know, can seem like small things, but when you look back on it can be huge things. So if you're concerned, definitely call 988, ask what resources are available in your community for your loved one. There's usually an outbound call that can be made, or they're going to patch that information through to our our county crisis hotline, which then can get us as in FRC or any organization in this community that yeah uh, the bottom line is that there are uh, those resources available and 988 a uh, great way to uh, to uh, start down that path again maria cool with us a uh, crisis manager for uh, finley's family resource center with us uh, this morning maria thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate you're welcome it. But, you know, we are always on the lookout for stories from and stories that affect the automotive industry, not just because Americans love our cars, which, of course, we do, but also because of how big the economic footprint that uh, this industry has, uh, both in Ohio and nationwide. For example, at General Motors, the nation's largest automotive manufacturer, of course, every job created internally translates to more than six additional jobs in adjunct Industries. So that means the GM alone is directly or indirectly responsible for more than 700,000 jobs in the U.S. as of last year. Cheryl McCarran is GM's Director of Community Relations. And Cheryl, that's the national number. What is Ohio's stake in all of that? You have some pretty impressive numbers to share in that regard. Yeah, hi, Chris. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. We do. Um, this was a study that Oxford Economics conducted on GM to look at our impact in the U.S. Um, by looking at things like jobs and our payment of wages to our employees, our supplier spending and tax revenues. So mm-hmm. um, it's a pretty impressive number to see how every one GM job has that impact at a national level. In Ohio, that jobs multiplier is even larger it's 11.3. So we have about a little over 4,500 jobs or employees in Ohio. And with that jobs multiplier, um, we're impacting or have an impact on another 51,000 jobs, more than 51,000 jobs in Ohio. So think about, you know, the trucking companies, the small parts suppliers, um, all of those other industries that touch us. Um, and some that you may not think of either, like, you know, um, uh, an agency that's helping to hire or even an advertising agency um, that's helping to create our ads. So that ripple effect into the um, outside of General Motors right. is really um, a great impact. And the financial impact, it says here, $1.3 billion in tax receipts, a total GDP impact of $6.8 billion, again, in Ohio alone. And just recently, GM announced uh, some upgrades in a number of facilities in Ohio and elsewhere that will position your company to meet the future demands of the industry. So that is not an impact that is going to be going down anytime soon. Absolutely not. Ohio is a really important uh, state for General Motors, has been for a long time. We have 
several facilities there across the state in Defiance, uh, Moraine, Toledo, Parma, Cincinnati. So Ohio is really important to us. And like you said, we just recently invested $760 million in Toledo. And actually the Toledo propulsion plant is mm-hmm. the first U.S., the first GMUS propulsion plant that actually is starting its transformation for EV related products. So um, you don't normally think about a, like a, a transmission plant being yeah. something that uh, for electric vehicles, but we're they're on their way on in the transformation. Well, I, kinda, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the electrification of the auto industry with respect to the future of the industry. That is the big trend, and it has been something of a polarizing discussion. The field of EVs is this the future for the foreseeable future, and how does that change the paradigm of this footprint? Uh, economically in Ohio and the rest of the country? Well, I mean, I think that's how we see it, Chris. I mean, what the indicators that we're seeing from even consumers and, and what's expected. I mean, GM has, you know, a, a zero, zero, zero vision, zero crashes, zero emissions. And, and we're looking at really how do we help improve the planet? How do we help, you know, make congestion and pollution and crashes something of the past? So, um, we are going to le- listen to the consumers. You know, we, we're not going to tell them what to, what to drive, but we're listening to them. And so, you know, we are on that transformational journey to, to head towards more electric vehicles. And, you know, we see that as a very bright future. Um, do I think I, uh, internal combustion engine um, vehicles are going away anytime soon? No, mm-hmm. but um, you know we're we're definitely following that trend and we're listening to consumers and you know building what they want. So, you know, as far as Ohio is concerned, like I said, um, you know we are transforming some of our facilities as it makes sense. So, you know, that's what part of that investment was mm-hmm. in Toledo, right? Um, but you know, we have you know, lots of facilities across the country that are building both internal and EV mm-hmm. um, vehicles or and, and the parts and components that go with them. Yeah, uh, I, I refer to it as kind of the, the future for the foreseeable future because there are still those who see like hydrogen fuel cells as the ultimate renewable fuel or even other technologies that don't even yet exist. And so I wonder... Uh, when GM is investing in the future of electric vehicles, is it with an eye on what lies even beyond that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the vision is, is you know, usually what it's seen for most people is, you know, two, three years out. But yeah. absolutely, our designers, our engineers, and, you know, our leaders are thinking 15, 20 years ahead. What does the industry look like? What does the planet look like? What What types of um, challenges are we faced with that we have to address in the future design of vehicles. So absolutely, it is a, when we say long-term, it is definitely more than three to five years. It's, it's way out there. What about AI? Uh, there is a growing question in all industries about the extent to which artificial intelligence will impact the human workforce. What will be the role of AI technology in the automotive industry? Um, I, you know, I think, I think your guess is, um, maybe just the same as mine. I think we are really looking at it. I mean, we are respectful of the technology and trying to figure out how we can use it to our advantage, but also, um, keep 
credibility and integrity in what we do. So um, GM's definitely exploring it. Um, where it's going to go from there, I don't know. I think we're still a little early in it, but um, I think it will remain important to us again, around integrity and credibility and making sure that what we're offering and what we're using it for is meeting the needs and, you know, not not going too far outside of our boundaries. Uh, again, they are just amazing numbers when we look at the economic impact of the automobile industry in the state of Ohio. Cheryl McCarran is GM's Director of Community Relations. And uh, you mentioned this uh, study in, into the economic impact, the jobs impact, and, and so on uh, that was recently conducted. Do you have that uh, on your website somewhere where folks can kind of dig into those numbers if they want to do a deeper dive? Sure. It's actually on the Oxford Oxford Economics okay. website. Um, they're the ones that, that uh, conducted the survey and the study. Um, but I think one of the, the other things we want to make sure that we talk about, um, all of those things are really important, the number of people we employ and the taxes and the, and the suppliers and, mm-hmm. and things. But the other thing that's extremely important to General Motors is really giving back to the communities in which we work into. So it's not just that we are in a community and employing people, but we also have to give back to those communities. And that's uh, really important, whether it's that's through donations, engagement with the community to address challenges that we might see coming. Um, those things are just as important in Ohio. I think in the last, in 2022, GM gave, you know, nearly a million dollars to nonprofits, local nonprofits in uh, Ohio communities. Mm-hmm. And, and our employees are out volunteering. So wanting to couple that economic support also with that personal support of a community because that's just as important that we make our communities better where we are working and living a very good point because that uh, is something that sometimes gets lost when we talk about the dollars and the jobs and you know all of that the economic impact is that human impact as well so point very well taken again uh, cheryl mccarran with us general motors director of community relations cheryl thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it Thanks for having me. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A man dressed as a woman walked into three Texas banks earlier this month, handed tellers sticky notes with threatening messages demanding cash. He has been nicknamed the Sticky Note Bandit, according to the FBI. The man who is... Did we have a, uh, a story yesterday in the uh, broken news about the uh, bank robber who was thwarted when the teller just basically said, you want to have a seat and I'll be with you in just a moment. <laughs> not the smartest bank robber. Uh, so this guy's dressed as a woman. Uh, the man has not been arrested or publicly identified Uh, He left two of the Houston area banks with uh, undisclosed sums of money, according to the FBI's Violent Crime Task Force, in a press release. Uh, The man allegedly entered Hancock Whitney Bank in Houston on July 5th, dressed as a female, approached a teller, and handed a note, a a threatening note written on a sticky note, which demanded cash. He left that branch with an undisclosed sum. No one was physically hurt during the robbery. The suspect, who's described as a five foot eight inch African American man with a thin to medium build, allegedly used a similar method at two Wells Fargo bank branches in Houston, July 11th and 13th. So, 
Uh, he's described as uh, five foot inch, thin to medium build, and uh, actually looks pretty good in a dress. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he's dressed. I, are they sure it's a man dressed as a woman? Or <clears throat> is it just a very unattractive female? I'm not sure. But anyway, they seem to know that it's a man. Uh, let's see. So be on the lookout uh, for that. More more tourists being caught defacing the Colosseum in Rome. A 17-year-old girl from Switzerland was reportedly seen carving her initials into a wall of the ancient monument. Uh, spotted by a tour guide, according to Rome's local military police force. The very next day, another 17-year-old, this time from Germany was caught apparently doing something very similar. Each could be fined as much as 15,000 euros, which would be about 17,000 U.S. dollars. Uh, Also could risk five years in jail. Um, A British tourist uh, last month faces the same uh, consequences. So lest you think it is just American tourists behaving badly, no. There are idiots all over the world. Who's carving their, you, again, uh, remember the uh, the last story that we had uh, about someone defacing the uh, Colosseum? The uh, person claimed they didn't know that it was such a historic structure. <laughs> yeah, right. You didn't know that it was a... <laughs> I didn't know that the, uh, that the Colosseum was such a historic structure. Hmm. <clears throat> That may be an even bigger problem. Uh, let's see. They truly didn't know. Um, a Texas man is in hot water for allegedly trying to hire a hitman to kill his former father-in-law. Dil- Dylan Dees apparently did not realize that the person he was talking to was a DEA informant. Oops. Conversations were uh, captured on a hidden microphone. He was wearing a wire. Uh, Mr. D's offered up $27,000 as uh, payment for offing his ex-father-in-law. Apparently, uh, he was in a custody battle with his ex-wife. Um, <laughs> I should mention, as part of the story, that uh, the father-in-law happens to be a cop. The Cor- Cornel- uh, Como County Sheriff's Office. Uh, in New Braunfels, uh, Texas. He's a cop. Yeah. That's not a smart move there. Um, Mr. D is now being held without bond on federal charges. And probably will lose his custody fight. I would guess. Probably lose his custody fight. Speaking of losing custody, uh, Charmaine Orange, woman in Newcastle, England, uh, has been sentenced for sending drugs to her then-boyfriend in prison. The uh, Apparently, during the lockdown in 2020, the prison relaxed some of their rules regarding what you could send to inmates. Now, they didn't relax them so far as you could send drugs, uh, but Ms. Orange uh, mailed the narcotics in a hidden in a jigsaw puzzle box. Interesting. Uh, there was also a there was also a painting. <laughs> I didn't know you could send a painting to somebody in jail, but there was a painting, and apparently the paint had drugs mixed with it. 
uh, she has pleaded guilty for sending a number of uh, illegal narcotics to her then-boyfriend uh, in prison. And it is unclear as to the uh, status of her two children. That now she Mother of two. <clears throat> okay. And a couple of other items here in the broken news, the odd and unusual side of the headlines. Speaking of uh, international stories, a team of Dutch researchers have found that an, a measurement, uh, a measure they had taken to uh, ward off unwanted birds has backfired. Uh, apparently, <laughs> they, and, and you'll see this, uh, on like uh, businesses, uh, like storefronts and the signs uh, above the doors of a, of a store, they'll put like metal spikes on top of the signs to keep birds from nesting on the sign. Well, magpies and crows uh, at the Natural History Museum in Rotterdam, uh, the magpies and crows are using the metal spikes designed to keep them away to build their nests. <laughs> Keys... Uh, Mulliker of the History Museum says uh, instead of uh, they were supposed to keep the birds away on the contrary the birds just utilize them uh, some nests are na- are being made almost entirely by the strips of sharp metal the most impressive one was made up of 1500 spikes <laughs> uh, a biologist in Holland um says the uh, creations have become a bunker for the birds. (laughs) (laughs) We'll show you, the birds are saying. We'll (laughs) use those to actually build our nests. Then you'll never get rid of us. Bunkering down there. And finally, in the broken news this morning, again, a story with a happy ending because you love stories with a happy ending. A Connecticut woman being hailed a hero, call it a hero, for landing a plane on Martha's Vineyard after the pilot suffered a medical emergency. Um, Now, we don't know too much about the passenger, uh, only that she is 68 years old and apparently had no previous flying experience. But after the 79-year-old pilot suffered a medical emergency en route from Westchester County to Martha's Vineyard, she jumped in and and took over the controls of the single-engine plane and managed to land the Piper Meridian on its belly, no landing gear, just cruised it on in into a field just outside of the Martha's Vineyard uh, Airport. Uh, Miraculously, she had no, it like ripped the wings off and pretty much destroyed the plane. She had no serious injuries, and the pilot survived. So everybody's okay. Wow. There you go. The <laughs> I thought that one of the uh, funny things uh, about this is that uh, the story goes on to say the NTSB is investigating the incident. I'm not sure what there is to investigate. She landed the plane uh, in a field with no landing gear. That was pretty much it. Um, everybody's okay. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You don't think twice about wearing your seatbelt. Going boating? Real boaters wear a life jacket. It's easy to do. 
accidents can happen quickly, and if you're not wearing your life jacket, you won't have time to put it on if it's stowed. So pick a comfortable life jacket and wear it. Remember, life jackets are for everyone, regardless of your age or swimming ability. Have fun, make memories, and boat responsibly. This message brought to you by the National Safe Boating Council and U.S. Coast Guard. This message provided by WFIN. Our daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This is kind of an interesting uh, new poll. 2,000 Americans, uh, two out of three uh, say they are more, two out of three Americans are more or as eco-friendly this year as they were last year. Um, 34% uh, say they are more eco-friendly now than in 2022. 32% say their habits are about the same. Uh, This is, I think, significant and rather timely because with all of the uh, weather stuff that's been going on in the news uh, these days, a lot of it being linked to climate change and you can make of that what you will some people are still you know very uh skeptical of the whole idea that this is just you know maybe convinced that this is just the ebb and flow of of uh weather but there's an awful lot of weather from the canadian wildfires to the extreme heat uh across much of the country the global temperature uh over the past month is uh, was as warm as it has ever been in recorded history so there are a lot of things going on. The, the floods up in uh, New England uh, and uh, the extreme weather uh, out west. And, uh, and so a lot of things uh, going on weather-wise that climate scientists say point to a warming planet and our need to be more eco-friendly. So this is a very timely survey. 79% of those in the poll uh, believe that they are deeply and actively concerned about the environment. The number of respondents who say that they recycle, has risen from 48% in 2021 to 56% in 2023, so more than half. Uh, The COVID pandemic, though, posed some challenges, which is one of the things that's kind of interesting in this survey. In 2021, 67% of respondents said that they used more single-use items due to fear of spreading COVID-19, exposing themselves to uh, COVID-19. So more single-use stuff. Um, common reusable items that uh, people did not use during COVID included uh, food storage containers, grocery bags, drinking straws, water bottles, that kind of thing. And uh, more single-use stuff uh, went uh, was used during the uh, pandemic. So maybe get in, back into our uh, more eco-friendly habits where that is concerned. <music> I know it may be kind of weird to be playing Christmas music, but there is a reason, there is a method to the madness. The uh, folks at Blanchard Valley Center are inviting you to celebrate Christmas in July later this month, an event so big that even Santa Claus himself is joining in the fun. Her team Weininger is uh, with us from Blanchard Valley Center. And uh, this is, I mean, this is more than just uh, an open house or a winter carnival or a craft show. It's, I mean, you've gone big as go big or go home <laughs> on this. Yeah, so we're hoping to invite the community to 
for the most part, for an inclusive event. It's mm-hmm. family friendly and it's free. So who doesn't love that, especially Absolutely. during these times? Um, but it's it's really to bring uh, people to downtown. It's predominantly downtown, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to be mission based. So you are going to meet up at the corner of Sandusky and Main Street okay? Um, for this, I guess you would call it a scavenger hunt, but you're going to receive a mission, go to that location, complete a task, get a stamp, and keep going until you end up at the North Pole. Okay, so hence the name, Mission to the North Pole. Yes. Talk about putting all of this together, because this is, uh, this is a big uh, undertaking here, yeah. I would guess. Well, I, I'm very fortunate to have some great community partners that I'm working with. Um, being a chamber ambassador through the um, Hancock County Chamber of Commerce, uh, it has really helped. Yeah. So I have a lot of connections there. We're partnering with the library, Hancock Hotel, Hitchings Insurance, just to name a few. Um, but we are coming together to provide this fun event for the community that I hope continues to be an annual event yeah. that people can look forward to. And I know there's there's only so much uh, that that we want to talk about uh, and, and unwrap, yes. no pun intended, uh, about this event now because uh, that's part of the fun is sure. the mystery uh, in the whole thing and the Definitely. whole scavenger hunt. Uh, but again, a huge response uh, from the community. So that's got to be uh, really fulfilling as well. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the bottom line really is to continue building, creating awareness for Blanche Valley Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, with our transition of the school to the ESC, I know that's kind of caused some confusion for our community, and we just want people to know we are still here. We are still supporting and providing services to people with disabilities here in Hancock County. Um, we're not going away. So we just want to make sure that people know we're here and we want to have fun doing it yeah. and sharing that message. Talk a little bit about that uh, transition because, again, uh, as you said, that it may not be, especially if this is not something that touches your family directly, you may not be uh, real well-versed in you know the logistics of, sure. of all of that. So what does that mean? So we, we kind of joke that we're this hidden gem in Finley and Hancock County, and we don't want to be a hidden gem. Um, through the last decade, there has been a lot of transitioning um, from federal and state mandates that we can't provide those direct services uh, to people with DD in our community. And so the school transitioning to uh, the ESC kind of plays into that. So we are still providing those supports. Um, you know, we're still going to IEP meetings. We're still involved with students. We still provide supports from so you're doing birth the things that death. you've always done. Yes, yes. Yes. But it's more it just looks a, a little different. change. Uh, okay, kinda. Uh, what What are those differences? Uh, I mean, how are you doing what you do differently now with this transition than what you've done before? So the students that would have been at Blanche Valley School receiving supports from Blanche Valley staff will mm-hmm. now be provided. You know, the teaching support through ESC. Okay, so that's the difference. Gotcha. They're still on our campus, but it's not necessarily ran so, by Blanche Valley Center, but we're still helping fund it. So a lot of this is going on uh, almost behind the scenes. Uh, well, I, I was, again, for those uh, outside of, I mean, for those who are directly receiving the services, they've noticed a difference, but really for the rest of the community, it's almost behind the scenes a little bit. Yeah, but the, the families still aren't really seeing a difference. They're still getting gotcha. all the support that they need. Gotcha. We're not out of the picture necessarily. We're mm-hmm. still there being advocates, helping them get connected with the resources that they need. 
So we're still there. It's just kind of a different capacity. Yeah, yeah, to a different capacity, different role uh, in that respect. So uh, again, the uh, mission to the North Pole, we'll yes. get back to, uh, to that. <laughs> uh, that is actually happening on the 25th. So yes. it's July 25th. Yes. Uh, and give us all of the uh, details and how this will work. Sure. So it's going to start at 530. People will meet at that uh, Main Street and Sandusky Street um, intersection there at the okay. corner. Okay. Um, it will end at Eight o'clock, though. You have to have your finished playing card turned in by eight o'clock if you okay. want to be entered in for the raffle basket. But it's a free event yeah, to sign say, up. Yeah, because there are, uh, there are prizes. Yes. Uh, there's a prize. There's, there's one big uh, raffle basket that will we'll just pull a name. Okay. Uh, and that'll be announced on the 26th. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a free event. If you want to register for it, it's on our Facebook page. We have an event page. The link's out there. Just scroll on our page. Yeah, we've got the, uh, the link on our uh, webpage, too, at uh, goodmornings.net. So you yeah. can uh, find the I mean, the link make there. it a date night or a family night, girls' night, whatever you want to do. And as you mentioned, uh, it starts, what, 5, 530? 530. 5.30? 5.30. And you got to be done by 8. So there yeah. is a, you know, there's a, a time frame here. It's not like it's, it's going to be. A, I will say, be prepared to walk. Okay. There's a lot of walking, or okay. you could technically drive to the different locations, but okay. we tried to make the, there's three different routes just to kind of make it so everyone's not following each other. Okay. Um, but there's three different routes. If you want to drive, you can, um, just be safe. And it's kind of like a uh, scavenger hunt kind of thing, yeah, mostly downtown. Yeah. Again, don't want to give away too much here, uh, but we don't want to keep people too much in the dark either. This is something that, I mean, it's... It'll be fun. It's not overly complicated no, or anything not at all like that not at all. So, uh, again, goodmornings.net if you want to learn more uh, about the event. Uh, we've got a link up to the uh, Facebook page, the event page uh, on Facebook, the Blanchard Valley Center. And, of course, uh, if folks want uh, more information about what it is that you do and the services you provide uh, for the DD community uh, and in support of the entire community, that's on your website. Right? Yes, www.blanchardvalley.org. Very good. Uh, Nadine Weininger is uh, with us from uh, Blanchard Valley Center. Christmas in July, the Mission to the North poll coming up on the 25th and Nadine thanks very much for uh, dropping by we appreciate it thank you so much for having me and that will finish up our podcast for today I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage check us out online at goodmornings.net coming up tomorrow on the program Buckeye basketball legend Jerry Lucas will join us talk about a special event coming next month to Hillcrest Golf Club. It's a benefit for his Dr. Memory Visual Learning Program in our Community and Business Spotlight. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.